Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. You are in the BEA session 2671, Planning for Success, Increasing Personal Effectiveness Through Time Management. Um, let me do a pulse check. Just who do we have here? We have any students here? Wonderful, wow. And do we have any early career? Just getting started? Great. What about our veteran, veteran career? Wonderful. <laughs> and then our military, retirees. Did I miss anybody? Wonderful. We are glad to have you here. I am Kendra Bivens. I am the senior managing consultant at IBM, moderating today. And with me, and I'll let my panelists introduce themselves as we start with Tessa. Awesome. Hi, everyone. My name is Tessa. Um, I am from Cincinnati, Ohio. We have any Bengals fans in here? All right, I'm alone. Okay, I don't, I'm not ready to talk about the Super Bowl. I just wanted to put that out there, okay? Still fresh. Um, I am a healthcare account manager with Actalent Services. Um, Actalent is a global leader in engineering and sciences services and talent solutions. So basically what we do, we provide solutions to help our clients get work done. Um, and then we connect our consultants with projects that align with their skills, goals, and interests. Um, I am also the chair of our Pride Employee Resource Group at Actalent, and I'm glad to be here. So thanks for having me. We have Shemeka. I'll go next. My name is Shemeka Stewart Isaacs. I'm excited to be here. I'm the co-founder of I Am Brilliant, and I'm also a leadership coach to build capacity for young people just like you all here in the room. Uh, with I Am Brilliant, we illuminate people's gifts by reminding them who they are. Brilliance is about passion. It's not about academic excellence or scholarship, but it's really about illuminating. And when we can illuminate and plug into that uh, that is around us, whether it's in our environment or our work community or in academic, we can create the sustainable change that we want to see. And I want to say that I was in many of your position uh, back when I was in sixth and seventh grade, thanks to Mr. Nate Voss, who's here representing North Carolina. Any other fellow North Carolinians in here? <laughs> um, so I just want to let you know the impact that Bea has made on each and every one of us, that we too have been in these seats that you're in and also having the opportunity to give back through my um, organization, I Am Brilliant. I'm happy to be here on the panel. Hi, and so I'm Felicia Burks. I'm currently in the United States Air Force, first generation college student, first generation military officer, and so I share that um, because I came from a blended family. Um, have uh, both of my step parents that either at one time were high school dropouts, but what they produced was a colonel in the United States Air Force, a dentist, a physician, and a business owner who has an MBA. And so it just really shows that you could do anything. Um, background, why STEM is so important to me because I saw a need coming from an underprivileged community and disadvantaged. And so oftentimes, we lack access when we don't have the knowledge of how to get a thing. And so I know that I'm called to be a part of a solution. I know I'm called to birth greatness in each of you and people in this earth. And so, of course, that's what I do. Um, I'm currently sitting in a position as the group commander of the medical group at Shepherd Air Force Base, where we train 47% of the enlisted force. And those are those that are working on the aircraft and airframes, and also the Euro-NATO joint jet pilot training, which we're training America's and the Euro-NATO finest pilots to be able to defend our airspace. In my part-time, I do a thing called Crucial Combo, which is really um, from the lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion to help develop leaders to understand what's necessary to bridge the gap and for those who need skills to be able to get there. 
and for others to be able to help bring the others into the room. Um, some things I do in the part-time for community service, I do some coaching and consulting um, as free time because it's part of my way to give back. And then anything when it comes to developing people and finding ways to improve communities because if we can bridge the divide, we can help make a difference. And I'm passionate about health equity as I'm a health healthcare administrator um, because I think from the healthcare, it gives us access to everything else because if someone's healthy, they have the means and the medium to be able to produce everything they've ever seen in their mind's eye and to be able to tap into that brilliance. So thank you. This is great. I think we, we did a pulse check earlier, and what we understand is that time management and organization skills are key factors for everyone, um, no matter where you are as a student or in your career. And everyone needs tools, everyone needs to align themselves and just to purpose themselves in success factors. And so that's what we'll talk about today. So the first thing I want to talk about is those long-term goals. You know, you get, you get this planning at the beginning of the year, you're in January, and you kind of say, I gotta do this long-term plan. You start setting out all these things. So just, just what is it? Um, how do we handle that? Just where do we get started? Um, so if any one of you wanna just jump in on that topic. Yeah, I can, I can start. So up there you'll see the SMART goals. Um, that's something that I have had a lot of success with, whether it's honestly short or long-term planning, but especially long-term. So starting with the S, the specific part, um, just like defining your goal in detail and being as specific as possible is a great start. So what you wanna achieve from that. Um, the measurable part there, like defining how you will measure that success and achieve that goal. Um, making sure that it's retain or I'm sorry, attainable setting a realistic goal, something that will challenge you, but something that you can achieve. Um, making it relevant, ensuring your goal are, um, or is results-oriented. And then um, time-bound, like cutting, setting a clear expectation, making sure that you can attain it in that amount of time, I think is, is super beneficial when it comes to long-term planning. I, I'd like to add something to that too, right? <laughs> Most of you use GPS for some medium, whatever app, right? Um, if you don't know where you're going, right, sometimes any route will lead you there and you feel like you're getting off course. So you've got to visualize it, right? To become who you want to be, you've got to be able to visualize it. And so some of you have seen goals that are so huge, it probably scares you, and that's okay. But those SMART goals is what's going to help you, but you've got to know where you're headed to in order to get there. I can say I'm going to Paris, and I may choose to go a different route than some of you, or I may choose a different airline. But if I have a plan, I'll get there. And so that's really what you want to be able to do and visualize it and think about how you're going to feel when you get there. And then the why behind it, because if you visualize it and that sensation, whatever you feel right, I'm going to be the solution to X problem. What does it feel like when I get there? And you've got to visualize it and feel it, own it and lean into it. Because as you do, then you set those SMART goals and you'll have to do it so that you can achieve it. Some of these goals, you may be able to get it in two years. For others, it's going to take 20. But what do I need to do if it's a 20-year plan to get there? By year 10, what will I have needed to accomplish? Mm -hmm. Who shall I have met? 
what goals should I have attained and what mindset should I have developed so that when I get there, to be able to convince whoever to partner with me as an investor that they can be able to do it. And so just kind of think about that. Visualize where you're going. Every year I do vision boards, and I started doing vision board parties with people because I saw leaders that had goals, especially um, black and brown people, and oftentimes they want it, but how do I get there? We've got to set a goal, and then we've got to understand our relationship with goals, and then who said that we didn't need to have them? Because we also, you know, and, and we'll talk about this later, I think it's important. You talk about that time-based piece, that time-bound. Sometimes time scares us, and we got to ask why. Some in our cultures and communities, sometimes time scares us because we lost someone, there's trauma attached to it, but we have no fear. Because fear is not even real, if we're honest. So, and so what time, what relationship, relationship I have with time that's going to prevent me and just making sure that you're in the flow so that you can become everything. So visualize is really important to see it, right? If, if you're going to be the next astronaut to do whatever in space, because we've got to own that domain, what does that feel like when I get there? And what do I need to do along the way? So your SMART goals will help you to be able to get there. And even some of the people in this room are going to be some of your partners. So just think about that. Okay. That's so good. Uh, something that comes to mind when we think about SMART goals is plan to fail. And it's okay. Like, get in a relationship, like an intimate relationship with failure. I know the status quo is to run from failure, hide it, be shameful. But what I love to lift up about failure as an acronym, and please take notes and write this down, F-A-I-L, stands for First Attempt in Learning. And when we can capture that and own that and shift that narrative, it puts the power back in our hands that failure is not something to be ashamed of, but it's really the building blocks to success. So plan to fail and then plan to be successful at getting back up and failing forward. Not failing and staying, but fail forward fast so that you can keep going, pivot, try something different, and don't be afraid to be innovative in what you're doing, even if you're a first gen, even if you're a forerunner, even if it feels like you're by yourself. Get intimate with failure so that it doesn't take you out and cause you to be afraid to begin again. Those are all great things. But you know, I'm a procrastinator myself. And so I can start out the beginning of the year and you set those long-term goals. You've got plans for the year, everything's set out. But what about short-term? How do we get into short-term planning? If I can just check that one box. Tell me a little bit about that. I think that. a big thing for me is like defining my why. Like first figure out my why, why I want to do this, what I want to attain from that, and then go from there, because I'm also a procrastinator. <laughs> so defining my why has always been a really big start for me getting through like attaining short-term goals. Yeah. I add something too. So I, if you all haven't read it, I recommend Darren Hardy's book, Compound Effect. And so one of the tools that he offers in that book is about bookending your day. And so you do a battle rhythm, right? And it, it goes up talking about weekly rhythms as well. But if you see it in front of you, if you are intentional and in being disciplined and consistent, this is, how we achieve, this is how we achieve goals, being disciplined and consistent, the consistency even more than the discipline, to be honest, because it's what we repeatedly do that becomes those habits. But if you book in your day, it keeps you accountable to keep it in front of you as well. And then having someone else that you're accountable to that's going to stretch you, that's not just comfortable with you, mm -hmm. just being average. Because we don't do average, you should be allergic to it. And so just think about that. <laughs> 
and just think about that so that you can be able to do it because I think that's the short term for me. I have a coach and so I started doing coaches because it helped me because I'm one that I, I am ambitious and there's nothing wrong with it, but how do you achieve these words bite size and then celebrate those small wins? And so when I get a win, celebrate it with something mm -hmm. that shows me that I've actually achieved a milestone that's getting me to that larger goal. Oh yes, it's the compound effect by Darren Hardy. Now you can Google it, it's some PDF version online too, if you wanna just download it. A great book, easy to read, it's a page turner. I've read it several times and I often, if I'm mentoring young leaders who I know are game changers, I offer that and we discuss it. But great tools, I would recommend it to any of you. If you do those things, Trump, it, it will work, right? Um, if you plan to succeed, you'll always succeed. You hear people say, if you plan to fail, you plan to fail. If you plan to succeed, you will succeed. You want to add anything to that short term? <laughs> what I would say with short term goals is goes it goes back to the SMART method, right? Things that are measurable, things that we can do in, to, in a day. So for me, I like to-do lists and I like to check box those things that I've done. And when I can get to the things that I've completed, I feel good about myself. So those are small wins and I'm gonna take that moment and celebrate. Because again, it's about us celebrating the wins along the way. Because sometimes we will miss the forest for the trees because something knocked us off our block, right? It's going to happen, it's life. But I'll say with short-term goals, when we do that day-to-day, -day, like challenge yourself, I'm gonna meet three people that I didn't come to this conference knowing, set that goal and that sets the intention that leads to the manifestation of the outcome that we want. So those are great things. I know um, I'm a goal person. I write everything down. I have to have my things to do list. I have to see myself cross off things in order to make myself feel achieved. And then I keep going. And if that list gets too long, I turn the page. And anything that wasn't on it goes on the next list. And I add more things to it. But now let's just talk about just some tools. Mm -hmm. How can we do all this? We got long-term planning. We have short-term planning. Just what about some planning tools? It's funny to say that as I sit here with my notebook, that would be really embarrassing for probably a lot of you to see. Um, but I am also someone that clearly writes things down. I think what I have found success with is color coding. So making your priority things that need to be done right now in a certain color. I choose red, you choose whatever you'd like. Um, and then just kind of like breaking it down like that. What can wait? What needs to be done right now to achieve these goals? Um, something else that I, um, especially for you students, that I've learned in my career, feedback, it's huge. Whether it be positive or negative, it really helps you grow as an individual. So those of you that are in school, highly recommend you like getting feedback from your professors. Like, hey, what am I doing well in class? What could I work on? Those of you in the workforce, doing the same with your bosses, your colleagues, um, getting that feedback has been huge as far as helping with your planning and prioritizing. You know, I, I wanna add something to that because I, I lead and develop a lot of leaders. By show of hands, how often do any of you ask for feedback? So some of you do, right? Um, how many of you ask for feedback if you don't feel psychologically safe? Exactly, and so I had to learn that, and so I'm intentionally developing, especially women, because there's a thing from a social cultural context, because of the socialization, typically don't ask for what we want. And so we know feedback is a gift, right? Good, bad, or indifferent, it is a gift. Feedback is a gift, we should always want it. So learning how to ask for what you want. So I recommend, right, starting to develop that skill 
because it is a skill. It's a skill that's going to determine your net worth. It's a skill that's going to determine how far you go. And it's a skill that's going to get you in the room to get the other things that you need. And so we talk about feedback, because I had to ask myself that, become a woman of faith, and then being a woman that grew up in Alabama, am I not asking for what I want because I don't know how to receive? Or have I been taught that it's not being humble and there's a difference, right? There's a strength and humility and meekness, mm -hmm. but also to be able to use and leverage those relationships between your boss or peer to let them know this is what I desire and this is where I see myself. I'd like your help to partner with me. Could you give me some feedback on how to be better? And so I ask that because when we say those things, sometimes we forget and I find myself lately at my point in my career who has a brother who's doing a residency at Vanderbilt asking myself questions, what do they need to know at that age as a millennial or a Gen Z that no one has told them, especially in the community that I grew up in, raised by a baby boomer and maybe the silent generation. And so it's a school that we have to get. You're worth everything, but I ask that because I see it every day and I was like, oh, that's the missing piece. So if you can just develop that skill too, and we're sharing that, but that's how it's gonna help you to get to those long-term goals. And guess what? You start making quantum leaps. You start making quantum leaps to get into your destiny because now you've learned that skill. And don't be afraid, no one knows the answer but you have everyone you need to to be able to get to that next level. And so understanding how to do that, using those tools, right? The tool now becomes a skill and a management tool. And even if I have to go and ask a question with my little phone, with my two questions, I got the questions and I've prepared myself. And I've, even if I have to look in the mirror before I go to work that day, Felicia, you are worth it. You, you are worth this feedback. And this is how you're gonna ask it. And my intention is that they're gonna give me the feedback that I need to get me to the next level mm -hmm. because it's my mindset. And so I would just offer that to you. That's gonna take skill because it's we're saying to you, it seems easy, but if you don't have that skill developed to get it, guess what? You're gonna delay yourself. And so I would just encourage you to do that because you are worth it. Mm -hmm. I love all of this, ladies. This is Ooh. powerful. <laughs> uh, something that comes to mind for me when I think about uh, applicable tools is, you know, we all know how to use this device. It can be our friend and our enemy when we're looking for how to achieve better practices on being successful. But there are apps that are there, practical tools, our Google Calendar. These alarms and alerts, it doesn't mean that you let that alarm go off four times before you decide to get up. No shame, no shame. You do not have to raise your hand if that's you. <laughs> that, that, that's what I experienced with my sons. Uh, and what I always encourage them is if you think about it from this capacity, we don't own time. Time is not ours. It's not something we can control. But sometimes we give it away for free way too much, right? So when we're looking at planning for success, we have to know what our time bank is. I had a bad habit of saying yes to everything because I am passionate about helping. I'm a later, I'm a communicator, I'm an advocate, I'm in community, and it was always yes, yes, yes. And what I had to do for my own practical application is really look at my own personal time bank. How much of my time am I putting into my self-care? How much of my time am I putting into my studies? And really looking at how many hours a day do I really have to give? And sometimes, you know, I stopped saying I have free time because none of my time is free anymore. <laughs> so I have available time to help and support. And so once I knew what, how much time I had in my time bank, I felt more in power. I felt more in control of myself. I felt more in control. And that way, people don't have you going down their street with their dream and you helping them build their, their vision and you still on the first block because you didn't, get a, you didn't quantify your time as valuable enough to plan for yourself. 
yourself. Mm -hmm. So when we think about these planning tools and how we implement them for our own success and our own growth capacity, we have to invest in knowing how much time we have available and don't be so free at giving your time away for free because it's valuable. And when we can value our own time, we'll know how much we have to give to other people. I really got some good things here. My smart goals, I'm ready, I'm set. Being allergic to being average, I love it. I love it. And you know, my phone is my tool. It is everything. Scheduling, it has everything in it. I've learned to use all my apps. I am always sending alerts. Every calendar event I have in here has an alert. It has a couple of alerts. It has the day before. It has the day of. It has 30 minutes. It even has travel time. How long is it going to take me to get there? This is my full planner. This is my tool. But then this is what I control. After that time for controlling, there's also those things I don't control. How do I handle those difficult delays, those things, the delays in my schedule that I can't control? Yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, you touched on what I've had to really engrave in my brain, is control what you can control. That is the first thing you have to think about before you make that decision on handling delays and um, reprioritizing things. But that goes to my next point, is just like overcoming those roadblocks when you do need to reprioritize um, and making sure you like set new deadlines. And this goes back to what you said, like learning to say no. I am a yes gal. I will say yes to everything and everyone and overbook myself. Um, and so just prioritizing, what can you say no to, what can wait, goes back to the to-do list and color coding and reprioritizing. I love that. Something I lift up too that you made me think about is our word is our bond. And when we don't have like a capacity of having an income or we're not at the top of our success chain, the only thing we have to hold on to is the words and the commitment and promises that come out of our mouths. Mm -hmm. And if you want people to believe in you and you want people to count on you, then be that person that can be believed and being counted on. So that means showing up. So if you're saying mm -hmm. yes to everything and you didn't check your time bank, then you are not showing up to some places and you're mm -hmm. not doing, you're not meeting those achievable goals that you thought when you were planning out your SMART goals. And so what I would say to that, to even lift up how we do this from theory to practice, practice is think about things that are important to you when you're looking at planning and think about your tools and how you allot that time when you are investing in it, whether it's if, if Sunday is your day. And Sunday is your mm -hmm. day that you plan for the week, then use these tools. Use the Google mm -hmm. Calendar set those goals that you can check box off. Um, and I love the accompaniment. I love that I have procrastinators around me. <laughs> because we need to change the narrative on that. The reality is you're going to be working with them. For me, it was hard. I'm like, no! I have to control the outcome, right? But when you have a procrastinator on your team, they work differently, but they always save the day, too, right? I do my best work <laughs> in the last minute. Heard that. So when we think about the things we can't control, we can't control another person's actions and response, but that's where you cushion in that time to be flexible and when you are more aware, if you are the procrastinator on the team, own it so that people don't have these expectations of you to do stuff <laughs> on that cal calendar of things that's supposed to be checked off, but they know that you're going to get it done. Because again, word is bond. So if you are over committing yourself and under delivering, that follows you throughout your life. And it'll speak for you in a room that you're not in based on your actions and behavior. So what do you want your actions and behaviors to say for you when you're not there? 
Yeah, and I just add one thing. So, you know, often many of you may be working on project uh, management tools and timelines, and there's a schedule you want to at least be on schedule or ahead of it. I'd say factor in some of that in the timeline, even for your personal goals, right? Some of you, you know, may or may not desire families or whatever, but sometimes life happens, and so I'm one of those that life happened to. I'm a breast cancer survivor, and it happened at the height of my career. I was getting ready to go and was on a different trajectory. And then all of a sudden, it's as if I got a head-on collision, just collided, and simply just disrupted my life. And I had to really decide how I was going to deal with that moment, because I had a choice. And so my choice was to win or I'm going to win. And so, but I had to get rid of that schedule and said, okay, what does this mean? And so I'm a woman of faith too. And so if you're not, you know, you can say the universe conspires with energy, but because still I knew where I was headed, things were still going to manifest. And so I still believe I'm right on time for everything that was meant to happen. And I had to go a different route to get there. And so life is not always a straight line. It may have some bumps and you may detour over but you'll still get there. And, and, and I'm still getting there. And so I share that, just factor that in, because those are the delays people don't talk about. And, and sometimes we don't even have the language for it, especially in some of our communities and understanding. And so what does it mean for a woman? What does it mean, right, even for you men, if you're leading a woman who goes through that, or men have breast cancer too, but of your spouse or your daughter or whatever, like what's going on? And so there are things we have to factor, and that means that a delay may have happened. But delays are not denials. So how can I readjust? And so for me, it, it, it changed the game for me because I'm a well-balanced woman. And so while I was being you know, pushed to achieve certain goals, it started fortifying something else. And there's a level of balance that I've never had before. My energy is an all-time high. And there's not anything that I think I can't do because it conditioned me for victory. And so when I saw that incident, it became a whole movie for my life in terms of there's nothing that can stop us. And so it's really the mindset, and I'll just share, you know, factor that in, because I hadn't factored in breast cancer, no family history, but it happened. And so I talk about it freely, and people ask, well, how does that make you feel? It made me feel that I was prepared for victory. It made me feel resilient, and that there is nothing that I'm stuck to in terms of a time clock, because everything that is for me is for me, and the universe is going to conspire to make sure that it gets to me. And so just kind of make sure you keep that. It don't mean things won't happen, but just plan for that deviation, whatever percent, because I'm still in time. And actually, what it did, it just pitched the command one year later, but now I'm back on track. So just think about that. And so just kind of do those delays. We don't talk about that. We say, oh, yeah, I didn't meet that. But what if life happens? What if life happens to someone that's important to you? You may have to shift, and that's OK. Just keep the main thing the main thing. Everything else will get back in line. First and foremost, thank you so very much for doing this for everyone. Um, I would also like to add a beautiful adage that my wife gives me um, about procrastinating. Uh, that's an excuse we tell ourselves when we're highly effective, highly successful, and we decide to rest. Mm, I like so. that. I like that. <laughs> um, so my question is just more so, I'll say, with overcommitment um, that we do for ourselves the trauma that we already have experienced through the capitalist, um, capitalistic system, um, that we feel like we can't say no, trying to feel, feel that balance, but mentally you still have a charge to try to do more. Um, me and my wife are both in, in careers. We feel, if I was to give you a, a spectrum of our work-life balance, it's always been geared towards work. Um, then we end up having our first little one, and then six months later, COVID hit, yeah. and 
If I'm standing in front of you right now, I can't tell because so much rocking and everything else has happened over the years. Um, but I, I bring that up that uh, I'm currently challenging myself to actually have a therapist and to talk about why I still feel that trauma, why I'm responding to it in a certain way, and why is it negative a reflection of myself. Um, but I'm also curious of just sparking new tools and tips and tricks of just actually, I'll say recalibrating myself that yeah, I only have 24 hours in a day and I can schedule it, but as soon as I wanna put that extra thing there and I don't wanna put it on tomorrow, I beat myself up. Why am I doing that? Oh, that's a good one. I would say as far as tools, so I'm an author of a self-help tool called While I'm Getting Naked. Uh, and you'll find it in the back. It's available here today. But what I unpack with While I'm Getting Naked is so many times we get busy being busy. And we don't give ourselves another uh, opportunity to let go of the things that don't serve us well. And so we've overcommitted. And having children will help you recalibrate how to, what happens with those priorities. But I know uh, I'm a Clifton Strengths leadership coach, so Achiever is very high for me. That's in my top five. And I would beat myself up when I didn't meet those goals that I had or I, didn't, I get to the end of the day and my toddler needs me or I'm on this call and now my, my five-year-old has come in. Like all those things we can't control, it again goes back to that giving yourself permission. That self-help book kind of helps you peel back those layers and I would encourage you to do it with your wife because it's nothing like getting that aha moment by yourself and then somebody that didn't get it, then you have to try to explain explain it to them, it's not the same. But this is a reflection journal built in, so it kind of gives you the prompts of things that have survived, things that oppress us, the labels we wear, the identities that we've had to show up in these crisis response for that we haven't healed from because we haven't addressed it. This is a quick read that'll help you begin that journey of getting naked with yourself and leading from within, because if we can't be an effective leader for ourselves, we can't be an effective leader for other people. So as you're building your capacity and exercising your capacity, capacity muscles, journaling is an aspect that can help you recenter and recalibrate to let go of those things in that day that happened that wasn't a pleasing to you, and then also to embrace that that you're trying to achieve and go for. So journaling is a way to achieve that, and I have that tool here that I can share that with you all today. Yeah, and I just want to add one thing, right? Getting vulnerable is necessary, and so giving your permission to get vulnerable, and I don't know you and your wife's relationship, and so if you could do that together, it would help. But ask yourself why. Why can't you tell yourself yes? Ask yourself yes. that and then think about who socialized you and who taught you that you had to say yes to everyone else but you. Because you'll start noticing some patterns and they were doing it to take care of different mentalities shifted so we don't have to carry the ancestral trauma anymore. They want you to thrive and so say yes to you because if you get it inside, that light's gonna shine so bright so you're gonna light the path for so many others and take the time to do it now while you and your wife are young enough and you have your child that's, mo you're modeling it to them so that you can become it. And you said to therapist, I applaud you. I applaud mm -hmm. you because I see you as a black man who's putting you first. Mm -hmm. You need it. And we need to be partnering with you because there's so much that you're called to do in this earth that you can make a difference. Put you first, everyone else is gonna see it. And once you do that, build those skills, Watch who you become and lean into who you're becoming because you've seen who you want to become and your wife and your little baby needs the best of you because what you're doing is freeing generations after generations beyond you. Yeah. And when people watch you do it, you're going to give other folks permission to do it as well. So I would just say consider doing that as you're journaling if you get the um, book. 
but extra stuff that I did that with some, I went, had to see a health coach because I couldn't sleep at one time. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then I, had, I was asked the question, well, why do you feel like you gotta work so hard and achieve? And then I saw my mom work two jobs at one time to take care of me and my stepfather was working and didn't even understand it. And while I love the work ethic, it didn't teach me how I was important. And so as you do that, trust me, everything's gonna be in place for you. But just do that and ask yourself why. And don't blame them, forgive them. They didn't know. But guess what? You get to start fresh and anew. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Melissa Cuella. I work with EY Ernst & Young, so accounting and consulting. Um, I'm, in, I'm in recruiting, but I'm also early in my career. And as you speak about time management, effectiveness, discipline, I mean, these are all things that people want to hire for, right? So how do we clearly articulate that in a resume, or we clearly articulate that when we're speaking to our managers in writing so that we know that they can see that we have these skills that, Ooh, that is, are just this, so great? I love this question right at my what I do on a daily basis. <laughs> References are huge um, when it comes to things that we might not have listed on resumes, but trying to get the point across to managers. Um, so really getting those professional references, whether it be peers, managers, mentors, whatever it was, that can speak on behalf of that person's time management skills. And then giving examples on top of it um, is huge when it comes to that. Um, hello, um, my name is Bethel. Thank you very much for this session. Um, um, some months ago, I had a similar conversation with somebody, and um, his concern was he procrastinates, but um, the procrastination seems to work for him. And um, he's the kind of person that um, leaves his um, assignments to the due date, because I'm a student, and a um, few minutes to the due date, he gets the aha moments when everything just tends to work out, everything just tends to flow. And it happens to we uh, a lot of students, and then I don't know is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I just couldn't know exactly what to tell him. Do I tell him, <laughs> don't do it? So um, um, it's, it's my question. Thank you. Procrastination is not a bad thing. No. We're not, not. painting that narrative. Remember, we're reclaiming that. So procrastinators on your team, you, at least you know how they're showing up so you know those expectations. You come in yeah. at the end and you shine. Yeah, you bring right? all yeah. the ideas. You bring it on home and everybody's happy. They never know you waited yeah. last year. If it was bad, three of the you know, four of us but, would not be here. So let's just say that, all right? But you know, that's value and diversity, what you have on the team, right? Um, but I would say that's your home run hitter. Yeah. Base is loaded. <laughs> I've got to bring it on in. And that's the person you bring and say, hey, we got this. Yep. Keep letting them socialize because they're thinking about it in their heads, right? Mm -hmm. The procrastinator. Yep. But they're your home run hitter. And just say, hey, just look at it. You're the home run hitter. Bases are loaded. You've got to bring everyone in. Mm -hmm. AKA the yeah. finishers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The finishers. <laughs> the finisher. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley. Um, I am an engineer at uh, Raytheon Technologies. I've uh, been in my career. Uh, since about 2011 right now, new in leadership, new in management. Um, speaking to a couple different things, um, you know, your generational things that you see and those type of things, because of that for me, I'm gonna be honest, work-life balance became real cliche. You know, it just, you go to these seminars, you read books, it's work-life balance, work-life balance. Um, and then you try and, I'm sorry, you try and, um, you try and implement these things, right? And 
at what point do you feel like, okay, it's working, it's not working? And I know it's usually just for you, right? It's, it's different for each person. Um, but I think for me, one thing I learned was, okay, you learn to say no, okay? It took me about 10 years to learn to say no. But now I'm in that phase of saying no, walking away, and feeling bad for saying no. You know? Or feeling like um, you have to over-communicate why you say no. Communication is great. Um, in pretty much everything, but then you get in that window of feeling like, you know, whether you've over-communicated, under-communicated, who deserves some of that communication, who doesn't, right? So how do we turn all of that into something that we can usefully use and not start feeling like work-life balance is just cliche, mm -hmm. right? You know, because you see things, for example, we talk about, you know, my mom, the worst example, she's great, successful, greatest person on earth, but work-life balance, I didn't see it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's just those feelings of trying to change that, but also not feeling bad for saying no yeah. when you have to say no. Unapologetically, hear this. No is a complete sentence. <laughs> it's a two-letter word and a complete sentence. But to your point, like the reality of it is the practical application doesn't feel good all the time because we like to, if we're a people pleaser, if we like to be the solution and the answer, saying no puts us in a hard position. So I had a, I, I couldn't just start saying no. My lived experience with that was gradual. I started saying, let me check my calendar and get back to you. I can't give you an answer right now, but let me get back to you. So that way you don't feel that pressure of having to explain why you're saying no. Uh, but everyone doesn't deserve that, right? But you deserve to feel like you can walk away empowered knowing that you've given yourself more time to think through. You need to check your time bank. So saying to someone, especially you know, when we're in a mentee or power dynamic, saying no could cost us a lot in some cases, and we feel that pressure. But what I would say is, can I get some time to get back to you and not make it so immediate? so that you give yourself time to look at all your calendars, everything that you have to really be able to give an informed decision. Mm -hmm. And that is empowering to you, is honoring your space and your time, and you don't have to feel bad about, you still might say no, mm -hmm. but if you need more time because that dynamic pressure is interesting or it's literal pressure, then just ask for more time before you give a, a, an answer. I love that you say that too, like whatever helps you feel the best too, because I really related to you when you said like, you say no to someone and then you're like, oh crap, and then you feel bad about it. Um, so it's giving yourself that grace and giving yourself that time, like if, if saying, hey, I will get back to you in this amount of time helps you feel better, then you do it, but it's what yeah. works for you. It goes back to that point of us saying like, being kind to yourself, stop being so hard on yourself. Coming from someone that is just as stubborn as it sounds like you are, be kind to yourself. And I think consistency is key too. Um, I love that you brought up your mother because I always you know, relate to my mother because she's the one that knows me the best. She said, Tessa, you're like this. You're a roller coaster. You're either all in or you're done. You're all in or you're done. Consistency is key. So finding that middle ground and being kind to yourself to stay on that middle ground. And I just add one thing, and so I um, won't assume your lived experience is um, the same as mine. I know it's not, but I see you and what appears to be a black woman, and so there are things, too, that we value. We value our time and relationships. Mm -hmm. um, I would actually write, when you're saying yes, how does that make you feel? And even when you say no, right, and really connect with that. And then <clears throat> there is a value in the relationship with our colleagues, and this is something 
that I had to learn because I'm big on authenticity and relationships. I will feel because I know myself and sense. Um, but it doesn't give me the right to not show up and allow folks to have access to me as a leader. And so it has forced me to do, look at my priorities. If it's leading me closer to my goals, whatever that is, because some of these relationships are necessary for my next level. If it's leading me to my goals, then it's absolute yes. If not, then it's a no. Um, but if it's something that I can plan for, I'll ask for the predictability and say, hey, this is how my daily rhythms look. Like even now, because I've had to do that, because I value fitness. I've always, and I got away from it. And when I did, I had bloomed up and all that. And now I'm getting back in shape. But I tell folks, no, I've got to go to the gym. And I said, it helps me because it helps my mindset. And I'm my best self when I can do it. And so this is stuff I just started again within this last year. And it's, so it's shifted. And people know it. They can feel it. They say, oh, you're just lit up because that optimizes me. And so I had to learn to tell my peers that too because those relationships matter. And so I'm not telling you not to say no. I'm encouraging you to build those relationships and let them see a little bit more of who you are. Let the wall down a little bit with a few. Just let the wall down a little bit. Let them in some and then just start sharing your experience because that's what people need to see. People make assumptions that we know everything they know. And the unique thing about a black woman or black, we have had to really shield so much. And people say code switch. <laughs> I don't know if it's we want to call it that, but it's, I've had to learn multiple skills. I had to know how to connect with my people. I have to know how to connect with others because I'm the space I'm in. And so I will offer you that. Develop the relationships that are of value so that they know who you are and knowing what you have to say no to. Mm -hmm. And then what you're going to schedule yes to. Is it leading me closer to my goals or taking me away from it? And so some of those relationships are leading you closer to your goals. And you have to cultivate them. But let them know who you are. Because once they know who you are, they're going to value and respect you. It's OK to let some people in. And, and, and it's not going to take anything from you. And those are things that people don't really tell us and teach us that. But it's OK. Let them in. And a lot of people that don't look like you really want to help you, they just want to know you. And, and sometimes it's hard to read us because we're not all around. And the last thing I add, we talk performance capital so much. And there's a currency when we're in the flow for performing. Oh, I can do this. I've achieved this, right? Black women, the most educated ever. <laughs> but what about my relational currency and that return on investment that I have? I'm doing it with investments. How about relationships? This young man here shared about mom talking about the three friends. Those will go long game. But how about some of those others in my network and that I'm building? And am I taking time to invest in those core people when I need to? And you don't have to let the wall down all at once. But find three. Say, hey, I'm going to trust you and give you access into my life a little bit. I want you to know who I am. I really want to build this. But I'm valuing this because I didn't have this. And I'm going through some healing work because I want to be a whole woman. And I want to feel good about what I do. I want to feel good. I want to add value. I'm an engineer. I did it for a reason. But I also want to be true to the people who are going to be with me when I retire and take this, you know, retire from Raytheon or whatever you retire from. When I look back and relax, I want to feel good about it. And I want to say, you know what? I made a difference in the earth. I healed, and I showed others how to do it. And I also bridged the divide, because you're going to bridge the divide, because you're going to give folks access to you. And so I would encourage that. And I'm speaking this into you, because I'm at a different point in my career. When I retire, I can do something different. Mm -hmm. But I had no one to tell me that. And it was a lot of love in my family. We had a lot of relationships with all people. I, I went to PWI. But I didn't know that little skill. Mm -hmm. And when I learned that skill, I was like, oh my gosh, this is easy. So just, I encourage you to do that. You're safe. If, if you're employed by the company, you're safe.
I don't know how y'all know, but y'all read my whole life. Uh -huh. <laughs> Thank you. We're coming close to the end, so we'll take this last question. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, my name is Hazel, and I work for Cummins uh, as an engineer. My question for the panel is how your time management skills evolved with remote working. Um, so although we have more time, like we don't have to get up, get ready, drive to work. There are also a lot of distractions at home. So have your time management skills evolved with remote working? Yes, <laughs> I, I would say, well, I, the, I've been in remote working for a lot longer pre-pandemic. So my leadership coaching has been virtual the entire time. So I didn't have to pivot as much. So I'll speak from the lens of navigating having children at home, having to manage those hours. And so I became flexible, right? When I looked at the hours that I had working, whether it was uh, organized by my employer or my the person I had the contract with, if they had set times they needed to prioritize, and I made sure that other things were, were working to support me. My husband is a great uh, asset to that, to, to balance things so that I can focus. But when it comes to making sure, you have to hold yourself accountable not to do laundry. When you, just because you're at home, like you can't clean up. Like those are those are the things that have to. It becomes more rigorous. I don't think it's easier to work from home at all. No. Um, it takes more <laughs> discipline and it takes more personal accountability to make sure that you're staying on task. So that's be one thing I would lift up. Um, if you any of you want to speak to the the conversion, if you did change from in the office to home, and want to speak to that. Yeah, I just feel like I'm not, I, I can't speak on things after hearing that you have six kids and a partner on top of all these companies, so I don't feel like I'm really allowed to speak at this point, because I'm just trying to take care of me, myself, and I. Um, so I'm actually learning a lot from this, as long, along with you all. But I would just say, yeah, I mean, as, as I've grown, um, as I've gotten older, but grown within my company, and just as a person, you learn different time management, even in, um, she was talking about being a recruiter, that's what I started out as, but then going into sales, being on the road a lot, I had to learn different time management. So I think it just, it, it's come with the time, but now I know that that's something I'm writing down to work on after hearing this one's story, so. Be okay with failing. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I'll add just quickly, because someone had to tell me, right, your calendar's a management tool. Respect that calendar and that time and honor it. Just get into the habit of honoring it. I'd like to thank you all for coming out. Um, we can bring this to a close. We've actually gone over a little bit of time, but all of these questions have been great questions. So we hopefully, we've given you some tools. We hope that we've given you some success factors to carry on in organization and time management as you, as you move further, as soon as you walk out the door. We thank you. Everyone will be here for any questions that you have. She has books in the back. So if you want to see the books as well.